Amen. Hey, grab a seat. And as you uh, grab a seat, grab a Bible and get it in your lap. Luke chapter 10 is where we'll be this morning. If you need a Bible, you will hopefully find one somewhere under a seat close to you. And if you don't own a Bible, please uh, leave with that one. We would love for you to have a copy of God's Word. Luke chapter 10. Uh, while you get there, let me tell you uh, what's going on next week. As uh, y'all know, like school, right? School's back to week, isn't it? This or back. To what am I saying? School. We're back in school this week for the most part, right? Some of you in the next couple weeks. And so we begin uh, what's going to be our fall series through the book of 1 John called Rest Assured. Uh, that will start next Sunday. Anyone excited for that? Right? And so we'll just walk verse by verse through the fall, uh, through the book of 1 John. I think I'm just so excited for this. We've been working on this series since early in the spring, and uh, I'm thrilled just to see what God is going to do through His Word as we uh, walk through it and make our way through uh, this book this fall. And so you don't want to miss next week as we launch that series. Also, Baptism Sunday next week, and so it's going to be a fun, uh, kind of fun first Sunday in August, and so I hope you all will be here for that. Luke chapter 10 is where we're at um, this morning. And uh, uh, group participation time, I want to hear from you all. Um, <clears throat> if you can invite anyone to dinner, anyone, if you can invite anyone in the world to come to your house for dinner, who would you have over for dinner? Jesus, oh, that great, great church answer. Great church answer. The first answer is Jesus. Any, anyone else? Anyone else, as you think about just anyone in the world to invite over for dinner, who would you have over? Rosa Parks, great. Love that. Who else? God, great. Who else? Oh, no. That would be a snooze fest, okay? <clears throat> Who else would you have over for, over for dinner? Homeless children, great. Reggie Miller? Reggie Miller didn't sound so good after homeless children, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> anyone, anyone else? A few more. Toby Mack, love it. Who? John Christ, yes. That would be a blast to have John Christ at your dinner table for an evening. Now, I just want you to think about these people, if you, whether you said out loud or didn't. If you, know, if you have someone in your head, a really honor, who would be an honored guest or a special guest coming over to your house for dinner, I just kind of want you to think about what would your day look like? What types of things would you be preoccupied with of getting the house ready, getting the table ready to host a guest like that? And, and my guess would be if you are more of a task-oriented person, how many would you say I'm more task-oriented in nature? It's okay. Um, um, you're probably thinking through, okay, what type of of, 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 of silverware, of, of, of plating. If you're like us, you only have one type of silverware and plating, so it wouldn't really matter. But are we pulling out the fine china for this dinner? You're thinking through, is the house cleaned? What does it look like as you walk through the door? And all of the little details you'd be thinking through to, to host this honored guest so well. Uh, if you're maybe more relationally focused, you think less in task and more in relationships, you're probably going to be thinking about throughout the day, what do I want to ask this person? What types of conversations do we want to happen around the table? You might even pull out your phone or a pad and paper and just jot down like, here are some talking points that I want to make sure we cover while this person is at our house for dinner. And no doubt, um, 
the, the reality is there's probably a blending of those two things that would happen as you prepare to host someone you would see as like an honored guest in your home. You'd be thinking through all of the tasks and stuff that has to happen, and you'd be thinking through how do we relationally make this the best night it can be. Now, with, with that on your mind, I want you to, I want you to try to uh, step into the shoes of two sisters that we find in Luke chapter 10, Mary and Martha. Uh, there's a set of siblings that you see show up throughout the Gospels over and over again. Mary, Martha, their brother, Lazarus. And um, if you are familiar with the Bible at all, you, you, you probably know what's coming today on the story of Mary and Martha. Um, Jesus comes to their village and uh, they host him in their home that evening. And as uh, the writer of this gospel, Luke, as he brings out uh, the scene in that home, uh, there is a definitive uh, purpose of what he's trying to do. He is painting a contrast between the actions of Mary while Jesus is there and the actions of her sister Martha while Jesus is there. Um, but before we jump right to verse 38 and get into the Mary and Martha thing, we, we need to understand what Luke, the writer of this gospel, is doing from a holistic picture. If you go all the way, and you don't have to turn there, but if you went all the way back to the beginning of Luke's gospel, he tells us the purpose of what he's doing. He's saying, other people have written an orderly account about the life and teaching of Jesus. He goes, this is my attempt too. I want to write an orderly account of the life and teaching of Jesus. What kind of account is he writing? Orderly. And so there's purpose to how Luke writes his gospel. There's purpose to what comes where and then what comes after that. The opposite of orderly might be random. It, this is not random. In fact, I want you to go back to, in Luke chapter 10 to a question that is asked in verse 25 by a lawyer. Uh, Luke 10, verse 25, it says this. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him, Jesus, to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? Don't you? I love this about Jesus. He knows, when, he knows the heart of people. He knows when they're testing him. So this guy comes with a question, but we're told the purpose of this guy is to test Jesus. And so Jesus responds to his question with a, what do you think? Love that. What is written in the law? How do you read it? Remember, he's asking a lawyer this. Other translations in front of you might say an expert in the law. So he's looking back at an expert in the law and saying, what do you think? And he answered, verse 27, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Deuteronomy 6, great Shema type thing going on there. This is how the lawyer answers it. And Jesus says, verse 28, And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. The lawyer isn't satisfied yet, though. Here's what he says next. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my what? And then what, what comes immediately next in Luke chapter 10 after this guy asks the question, and who is my neighbor? What comes next? A parable we all probably have heard and know very well. The parable of the 
The parable of the Good Samaritan, I believe, is Jesus expounding who is my neighbor and how should I live in a loving way with my neighbor. So it's directly connected to the question the lawyer asked. As soon as you get done with the parable of the Good Samaritan, if you have a heading in your Bible over verse 38, what does the heading say? Martha and Mary. And when we read the, when we read the Bible, we can, also, we can usually think, okay, that Luke's just kind of moving on. I don't think Luke's moving on. I think there's great purpose in why Martha and Mary comes right on the heels of the parable of the Good Samaritan, and I think it ties all the way back up to this question the lawyer asked. And then the, the, the answer the lawyer gave to his own question, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, with all your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I Samaritan is Jesus expounding what it looks like to love the neighbor, your neighbor. I believe Mary and Martha is helping us understand what does a picture of devoted love to the Lord look like. And this all flows and ties together. So with kind of the stage set and knowing that we're not just randomly coming to another part of the Gospel of Luke, but it ties in here. Let's read the account of Martha and Mary. Verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha, and notice the wording here, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Pray with me. Father God, will you help us now? Lord, there's, as I've wrestled with this text this week, there's even just like, oh, in my own heart, of, you, you make a clear priority statement here. You say Mary has chosen the good, the good portion, or some translation, the better thing, and Lord, that just, there's angst in my heart over that, not over your teaching, but just like what that means of how I often live contrary to that. And so, God, I just pray the word that has come to mind this week, would you refresh our hearts in here this morning? Oh, God, would you teach us that you just want us in your presence? You love to commune with us. You are not a God who's left us this to-do list to do, and then we'll earn your love once we've done it all. Lord, you love us. God, would you refresh hearts today as we unpack the truths of this passage. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to pull just three observations real quickly this morning from this account of Jesus in this home of these sisters hosting him. Uh, I I just kind of set up these three observations. I I want us to be encouraged by something. I want us to be warned by something. And then I want us to walk out of here and be refreshed by something that we find in here. And so first, first uh, piece of observation I want to pull out of this is this. Be encouraged. Jesus cares more about you learning from him and enjoying being with him than all the things you can do for him. 
I know that was wordy, but I want you to just stop and, 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 and listen to this. Jesus cares more about you learning from him and enjoying being with him than all the things that you can do for him. And I just want us to look at some things here. Um, um, verse 39, and she had a sister called Mary. Uh, uh, see the posture. Where is Mary? Where's she at? She is at Jesus' feet. And so Jesus is in the house. Now, we, we, we don't know. It doesn't tell us explicitly, and his disciples are with him. We can maybe infer that when it says, now as they went on their way. And so I just, I want you to picture the scene here. And I want you to see the contrasting picture. Jesus is here. And um, he, um, uh, this is an um, uh, ancient futon that Jesus would have been sitting in. Um, if you kind of glanced into the living room in the home here, you would find Mary at Jesus' feet listening to his teaching. And, and if I could cross my legs better, I would, but I can't anymore. And, G, and, and, and Mary is taking the posture, and this is really important, she's taking the posture of a disciple. Uh, in a day when, when women would not have been invited by teachers, uh, she's taking the posture of a disciple. And so if Jesus' disciples are with him, as you glanced in from the, the kitchen, so to speak, you would find Jesus sitting and teaching, and his disciples would have been there at his feet, and there would have been Mary right there with him. If the disciples aren't with Jesus, Jesus is in here teaching, and here's Mary at his feet, listening and just enjoying the presence of being with Jesus. Now, um, where, what's Martha doing? Where's she working? And now listen, let's not be too hard on Martha. Sometimes I think Martha gets a bad rap in this story, right? How many of you, if you're honest, you're like, I would be Martha if I was hosting Jesus. You're, she's over here. She's setting the table. She's got one hand over here on the stove, and she's, she's glancing in. Hey, Mary. Uh, you know, and she's working, working, setting up, tweaking things, getting, getting dinner all ready, uh, straightening some things up here. Hey, Mary. You lazy bum. Right? And I, I, want you to, I want you to not just see, I want you to feel the contrast between the two rooms or what would have probably been just one big room in the house they were living in. Don't just see it, feel it. Feel what Mary would have been feeling as she's just like, I am at the feet of Jesus. Soaking it in. Loving it. Feel what Mary would have been feeling. Or feel what Martha would have been feeling. Little help over here. You see this contrasting picture, and Luke is painting this contrast on purpose. And we just need to be encouraged by something when Jesus gets to and he says, because we, we all want we all want to ask that question: who's chosen the better thing? <laughs> To say it in kind of our American black and white way, like, who's right here? And Jesus at the end, he goes, hey, Mary, Mary's chosen the good portion here. Mary's chosen the better thing. And there's something in this so refreshing to my soul when I hear Jesus say, to be invited into his presence and just sit at his feet in his teaching 
can be the better thing than like all the things I, have to, I think I have to do in order to like serve him really well. Uh, we, we are so used to a culture that's like a what have you done for me, what have you done for me lately culture. Can I get an amen to that? We are so graded, and, and yes, we might be done with school, some of us, but we're still graded. And in the culture we live, we're often graded by like what can you produce what can you do? And I get that. Like, I don't, I don't think this passage is like a call for all of us to just leave here and go, like, move into a monastery and never do anything again the rest of our life. I get that we're going to go to work tomorrow. And some of us are going to have some people over for dinner. And, and the excuse probably shouldn't be, well, did you hear the sermon this morning? We didn't do anything to get ready for y'all. <laughs> In fact, if you brought dinner, that'd be great. Like, I don't think that's the point of the, 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 the message here, but here's what's really refreshing to me. In a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately culture, in a we-will-accept-you-as-long-as-you're-like-really-good-at-what-you-can-do, I'm refreshed by a Savior who says, no, no, well, just come sit and be with me. We'll get to the doing stuff after that, but we just come sit and be with me and be at my feet and let me pour into you and let me teach you. That's refreshing to me. And sometimes when I read scripture, I love the passages that, I, I love the action. There's a, there's a kid's Bible called the action, something action Bible. I love that because it captures kind of the action of all the Bible stories. Like if, if I was probably producing the Bible as a movie, it'd probably be an action film. You know, I love, when, you, when the first thing you think about King David, when you think about King David is what? Goliath, right? The first thing when you think about Moses is parting the Red Sea. Like immediately we go to action. What they do, what they do, what they do. You know what I often forget? How long was Moses out just in like some random um, fields tending his father-in-law's sheep? Like, how long? Like, 40 years. How long did David just sit in the field with sheep, letting the Lord, you know, when the Lord said, there's a man, there's a man after my own heart. The Lord, the Lord was molding that heart while he's sitting with stinky sheep for years and years and years. And then after the guy's anointed king, he doesn't just get to go rush the king and sit on the throne. He's fleeing from Saul, the crazy father-in-law who wants him dead, and he's finding himself out in the Judean wilderness. And what's he doing when he's out in the Judean wilderness? He's writing some of the stuff we now see in the Psalms. He's getting at the heart of God. You think about, um, you think about even the way Jesus modeled this for us. One of the craziest passages to me is when Jesus is at uh, Peter's house, and he heals, um, he heals Peter's mother and mother and mother-in-law, and all of the sick from the town start to come. And Jesus is on like an all-night healing thing. And, and then um, they're like, okay, we got to close business for the night. We all got to get some sleep. In the morning, Jesus will be back out. He'll continue doing the healing. The next morning comes, Jesus is gone. The disciples can't find him. He got up early and went to be with his father in a desolate place. It must have been so desolate. It, it took them hard work to even find where he was. They find him and they're like, Jesus, what are you doing? Let's go. There's all these people who want you to heal him. What does Jesus say? Um, let's go to the next town. What? What? 
Even Jesus has prioritized the moments of just being in the presence of the Father. Think of the Apostle Paul, right? Like, if you're making an action movie out of the Bible, that dude is like Vin Diesel. Is that heresy? The rock. There we go. Where, like, after Paul is saved, where, where does he go? Who knows? Where does Paul go? Like, for, for what? Is it? Yeah. There's this period after Paul is saved where he's just off with the Lord. Like, we don't know. Like, where's, where's the action in that? Where's the action? He's just being with the Lord and learning and, and gleaning. I'm so refreshed by that. Because I can get caught up in like, man, if, if the Bible's an action movie, if, if the kingdom of God's an action movie, like, I want to be one of those main action players in it. What can I do for the kingdom? The doing will come, but it comes after this. And so I just want to tell us, and I, and I know, my first point is be encouraged, and you know the intensity in which I preach. You're like, man, you're an intense encourager. I know, I'm sorry. Be encouraged. That Jesus cares way, way, way more about your heart and your soul. And in his vocabulary is not even the line, what have you done for me lately? Anyone encouraged by that this morning? Now I want you to be warned by something. Be warned. Well-intentioned serving can actually leave us tired anxious, stressed, and questioning whether God cares. Where am I getting that? Verse uh, 40. But Martha, you, help, me, help me read this so we can just pull out all these things I just listed in the text right here. So you know I'm taking it from right here. But Martha was what? She's distracted. And what's she distracted with? She's distracted with much serving. Think about that statement. We can actually be distracted by much serving. And think about the serving she's doing. She is trying to serve and host Jesus well. It's possible for us to actually be distracted even with much well-intentioned serving for our Savior. Go on, because it doesn't just say she's distracted. And she went up to him. She goes up to Jesus and she says, Lord, do you not what? Don't you care? Jesus, aren't you watching this? You see the work I'm doing over here? Do you smell that brisket I'm smoking in the kitchen, right? And like, do you see what has, what has my sister done since you walked in this house? She has not lifted a finger and done one thing. Don't you care? Think about that question she just asked Jesus. Lord, do you not care? Jesus' response, verse 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious, troubled, about many things. 
my wife's an amazing host. She has a gift of hospitality. And so early on in our marriage, as we'd host people, she would just, she'd have the house so ready. And I could just see, like, oh, man, like, I just want to host. Men, I don't recommend this line. Oh, Martha, Martha. <laughs> that did not go over well. <laughs> Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Let's think about what we've been told about Martha here. You're distracted, you're distracted, you're anxious, you're troubled by all of these things that like that you have that you have prioritized as like super, super important, more important than what he's about to say next. But one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. Some of your translations might say, Mary has chosen what is better. Think about what Jesus just said there. Mary has chosen what is better, which will not be taken away from her. Be warned, well-intentioned serving can actually leave us tired, anxious, stressed, and questioning whether God cares. Now, get the point. Now look at me. If you are task-oriented in the room, if you are one of those people who are like, oh, I so, I so relate to Martha here. Like that would have so been me. Don't beat yourself up here, okay? Like I don't think this is an indictment against the people who are just task-oriented. And Jesus is just saying like, hey, let's just all like not do anything. Again, not the point. I don't think this is an indictment against doing in serving, I think it's a warning, it's a reminder against the distracted doing. What, is, what, is the, what does it mean to be distracted? Um, I just Googled the definition early this morning as I was just going through my notes, and it, it just means to be preoccupied with something else. So if there's a priority, if there's something we're to focus on, if there's something that's ultimate, to, to be distracted means we're preoccupied. And I love that word. We're just preoccupied with something else. And when Martha was distracted by much doing, she has Jesus sitting in her house, and she is distracted with the doing of like, do the candles, are they perfectly in place? And Jesus just says, Mary has chosen the good portion. Mary has chosen what's better. And it won't be taken from her. And so I just, I want to unpack this a bit because I don't think it's an indictment against doing. I think it's a reminder, a warning against distracted doing. Doing, serving, working that takes, that takes our mind and our heart off of the worship of Jesus in the midst of the doing. Uh, I've told you this before, but when the Super Bowl was in Indianapolis, I actually worked at the Super Bowl. Um, and so an opportunity came up, and like, do you, do you want to do security at the Super Bowl? And I'm like, yes, I want to do security at the Super Bowl. Now, know this, that the Super Bowl is like a, tier, a national like, tier one security event in our country. That means it's like one of the highest security things. Be encouraged, a guy like me is working one of those events, Okay. <laughs> Like, it hit me as I'm at the Super Bowl, like, what if something actually happens? 
I am trained in a very special set of skills of high school wrestling. Um, <laughs> and so, so, so excited to work the Super Bowl. I'm like, I'm going to be at the Super Bowl. I'm going to be at a Super Bowl. Like, I'm just like leading up to it. I'm like, how many people can say that they're going to be at a Super Bowl? I can tell you this. I was on the field at the Super Bowl. And it's the only Super Bowl in my life I didn't get to watch one second of. I'm in a little security group. They're like, second quarter, you guys are on the field. I'm like, that's what's up. I was right behind the Patriots bench. But I didn't, I'm like, I thought you just stood there and watched the game. You stand there and watch the crowd. I, it's the only Super Bowl in my life. I was at a Super Bowl. I was on the field of a Super Bowl, and I didn't get to watch one second of the Super Bowl. That's what you call distracted by much serving. That when you're working, when you have to show up to serve in a security role, you have a job there to show up and serve, and you don't get to even watch the main event. Jesus is sitting in Martha's house, and she's distracted by much serving. And I just want to pull out from this, what is it, what does distracted serving look like? What does distracted doing look like? And let's just use, um, let's just use the words we have from the passage right here. How do we know when our serving has actually taken us away from the presence of God? from enjoying the presence of God. How do we know when our serving has taken us away from enjoying the presence of God? Number one is this, and it's the word I've been using. We're distracted. It's just we, we, we no longer have our eyes and our minds and our hearts set on Jesus, and we're doing these things out of the overflow of worship. One of our staff codes here at the church is we minister out of the overflow. And I can tell you, I know when I'm ministering out of the overflow, and I know very much when I'm ministering out of an underflow. And it's tangible. It's noticeable. And no doubt everyone who works with me notices it too. We talk about ministering out of the overflow. The Lord Jesus pouring into your life and you're ministering out of the overflow of that. Your focus is on him. When... Um, when our serving takes us away from the enjoyment of the presence of God is when we're distracted by all the stuff that's got to get done. And it's leading our eyes away from Jesus. That then leads us to the second thing. How do we know when our serving has actually taken us from the presence of God? Second is this. Uh, we get grumpy toward God. Think about what Martha said. Don't you care? Ever been there? You don't have to raise your hand. Have you ever been there? Hey, Lord, see all I'm doing for you? You see? Working hard over here. Pouring out blood, sweat, and tears. And yet, um, things aren't really shaking out like I, I had hoped they would. And these people over here, they're not helping any. Don't you care? When, when, when the service towards Jesus is distracted from his presence, we just start to get grumpy. Don't you care, Lord? And the, the doing, the doing 
has taken precedence over the being of just enjoying the presence of the Lord. When we're serving out of an enjoyment of the presence of the Lord, we, we worship, we worship through that serving. So we're distracted and we get grumpy toward God. And then this last one I just want to pull out that Jesus says, uh, you're anxious and troubled. How do we know when our serving has actually taken us away from enjoying the presence of God? We get anxious and troubled. And we all know what that feels like. We all know what it means to be like anxiety ridden over all the stuff that's got to get done. And we got to do this and we got to do this. And, and we're trying to do this for the church. And Lord, we're trying to do this for you. And the anxiety builds and stress builds and we're troubled and we're weary and we're tired. When we have to come back to this picture of Mary sitting at Jesus' feet and Jesus going, this is a good place. just be warned, well-intentioned serving can actually leave us tired and anxious and stressed and questioning whether God cares. But then I want, uh, coming out of that warning, I want us to be refreshed by this. And this is what I'm leaving us with. Be refreshed. There's a better way than, quote-unquote, distracted doing that allows us to rest, learn, and to enjoy the presence of Jesus. All in favor of that, say aye. There's a better way. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary. who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. You skip down. Verse 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. There's a posture that allows us to rest and to learn and to enjoy the presence of Jesus. And in this house and in this scene, Jesus actually takes these two sisters and he just, he encourages us and he warns us and he refreshes us by saying, don't get so distracted by so much serving that leads you, leaves you way down, way down, anxious and troubled. Instead, he says to us, I invite you into my presence to be taught, to have relationship. And then it's out of this posture that we'll hear his voice and he'll lead us and call us and guide us and direct us into the serving and the working that he calls us to do. Amen? It is better to attentively sit with the Lord than to busily serve the Lord. Yeah, I said it. Because I think Jesus is telling us that. That it is better to attentively sit with the Lord than it is to busily serve the Lord. And that makes a whole bunch of you uncomfortable right now. But, but yeah, isn't serving important? And isn't that how we grow? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I'm arguing the serving and all of that will flow out of the sitting. 
but we can't get these things out of whack. And when we get them out of whack, we become weighed down, anxious, tired, grumpy towards God people when he has invited us into something so much better. So here's the challenge I want to leave you with. Where can you replace doing with being this week? Seriously, think about it. Where can you replace doing with being? Think about that in your daily rhythms. Uh, Maybe for you, like you get up in the morning and the very first thing you're looking at is email and bing, 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 bing. Anyone else just want to punt it into a pond? And like, there you are, boom. Like, your eyes wake up and bing, 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 bzz, 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 like, and all, there you are, you're gone. The day has begun. May your morning rhythm change this week. Because Jesus invites you into something so much better. Maybe for you it's before your meeting begins and you're, you're so used to meeting begins. Here we go, let's go, let's go. It's just deep breath, Jesus, we invite you into this right now. And it doesn't have to be elaborate. Like, you know, you're at your company and the people in your meeting walk in and you're sitting on the table, legs go, oh, don't do that, okay? It's just a simple in your heart. Like, Jesus, I just invite you into this right here, right now. Help me to rest in you even as I work today. Where can you replace doing with being this week? Some of you might need to stop a project like halfway through it because you're so distracted off of like what the point of it is and how Jesus is being worshipped in it. You're just going to need to stop it, just a hard stop halfway through it and say, I just need to go be with the Lord and I'll come back to this. And I know for some of y'all that just makes you twitch thinking about it. Leave something undone? No way. Chill. Because Jesus invites us into something so much better. You know, at the end of our life, seriously, at the end of our life, I have never, ever, ever, I, I, I can say this with full integrity, I've never sat with someone at the end of their life who's like, you know what, you know what my biggest regret is? And I left that deck unfinished. And you know what that biggest regret is? Like, man, that, that, that project we were working on at work in 1958, like, man, you, you know, you know what they always talk about? Relationship. I wish with that person, I wish with that. And I'm talking about at the end of our life, let's have lived a life where relationally we were so close with our Savior Jesus that like what we're talking about is just like, I can't wait to go be with him. This has been so good, but like I'm still marred and broken by the effects of sin. Like I can't wait to just go be with them because they've abided with him throughout their life. Jesus invites us into that. If you never do anything, quote unquote, great for God, he loves you. And trust me, I'm preaching that to me more than I'm preaching it to you. Hey, Brock, you're never some like superstar pastor guy. Guess what? He still loves you. Can we just live in the freedom of that today? I got 10 seconds and I'm out of here. We were supposed to be in a psalm this week. I'm worshiping. I was preaching in Denver last Sunday, last Saturday and Sunday, and I'm, I'm uh, worshiping.
worshiping in the Saturday night service and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit clears day, just brought, brought this, you're distracted. I'm like, I don't think I'm distracted. Like, singing. No, you're distracted. Just distracted by so much doing. I've invited you into something so much better. So I'm just on a journey to try to figure out what that something so much better is to not be distracted by so much doing, but just to enjoy the presence of Jesus. And you all just got pulled into that journey this morning. That's why we're not in a psalm. If you want to go on that journey together and just figure out what this looks like over this, because we know that when we do this right, it'll lead to the proper worshipful doing and serving of this. Amen. Church, we stand with me. Father, I want to pray for us that we would just have a right understanding of that which you're trying to teach in this passage. Uh, Lord, I, I, I pray that we would not be distracted by much doing. Yes, Lord, you have called us to work. We talk about working for Christ here. You've called us to serve. We grow when we serve. But Lord, we just live in a day and an age and a culture where we can just get those things flipped on their head. We just instinctively start doing because we're just like, like that, that. We know that's how we're quote-unquote graded. But Jesus, you're a Savior who invites us intimately into your presence. You tell us that your yoke is easy, your burden is light, and that we will find rest for our souls with you. God, I want to know that rest for my soul. Lord, I know that we stand as a church here saying, Lord, we want to know, not just know that scripture verse, we want to know the rest for our soul that is offered by you, Lord Jesus. Teach us that. Would we create the space and the margin and the time this week to just sit and enjoy and be taught in your presence? We pray that in Jesus' name.